Thank you for reading uh, the scripture. And again, that was Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40 in the NIV version. And welcome, welcome. Today's um, sermon is entitled, Beam Me Up Spirit. And that was for all you Trekkies out there, all you geeks, um, Star Trek nerds. Beam Me Up Spirit. This is uh, the Book of Acts series, the Spirit-infused multi-ethnic church. And we are in a loving scripture series uh, for Renew Church. And I'm Pastor Dave Sim. And today we have uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And that's the story of Philip um, and his conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch on the path uh, to Gaza from Jerusalem. And it's a great story because um, it's an example of the spirit leading Philip, a leader, to witness, to testify about the gospel um, to an individual, a random individual, a stranger. Um, and there's no reason, rhyme or reason. It wasn't, there was no forethought. There was no uh, premeditation on the part of Philip. It, he was just guided and led um, by the angel of the Lord saying to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so Philip, not knowing what's up, not knowing what uh, the agenda was, not knowing what was happening, um, decides to say yes to the Spirit. And verse 27 says, so he started out. And as he's going, as he's traveling, not knowing where he's going, not knowing what the Spirit is up to, not knowing what God is doing, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, um, the queen of the Ethiopians. Um, and Candace is not a proper, it's not a name for a specific person in history, but it's a general title given to um, the queen of the Ethiopians. Kind of like Pharaoh was the leader of the Egyptians, Candace was a, t a formal title given to the queens of Ethiopia. And we also have to note that Ethiopia, what isn't uh, at, in those days, isn't our modern day country of Ethiopia exactly, but it was the area south um, south of Egypt. So the general area south of Egypt on uh, northern Africa um, is Ethiopia. So an Ethiopian eunuch who is part of the royal co uh, court of Candace. Um, actually in charge of all of the treasury. So this Ethiopian eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. For some reason or another, this man was a God-fearer. And God-fearers like the Hellenists who were Greek-influenced Jewish people, this man traveling all the way from Africa is a God-fearer, meaning someone outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judea, um, who actually believed in Yahweh, who worshipped Yahweh, the God of the Jews. And so he had made a pilgrimage um, to Jerusalem to worship God. Verse 30, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him, Do you understand what you're reading and this is a hilarious scene like was Philip on a horse no 
Was Philip on a chariot? No. This man was traveling on a desert road on a chariot. I don't know how fast the chariot was going. Maybe it was going a little slow. But it says Philip ran up on the chariot. He's running next to the chariot. Chariot, it's like chariots of fire. You hear the theme music from Chariots of Fire. Dun 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 and I don't know if the spirit gave Philip supernatural power, supernatural speed. He's like a superhero, the Flash, running next to the chariot. But I'm sure he startled this eunuch because the eunuch is on a desert road. There's nothing going on. He's just reading his Bible in the chariot. And all of a sudden, someone's running next to him and saying, Do you need any help with the scripture you're reading? Do you want me to answer any questions? He's like, Whoa, whoa, what? Where'd you come from? And this man from Candace's court in 31 says, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Wow. What a, what a, what a moment. What a coincidence. What a, what a coming together of, uh, what timing, the timing of the spirit. Philip is led by the Spirit, led by the angel of the Lord to go uh, on this road, not knowing what's going to happen. And right then, someone is wrestling with Scripture. And I wonder, have there been times in your life when you've wrestled with the Word of God? You've wrestled with Scripture, not knowing what to do, what this means, not knowing what the application, what is God trying to say to me at this time through Scripture? As I'm praying, what is God saying to me? And we also see in this man, this Ethiopian man, a hunger, a curiosity, wanting to understand scripture. And we know that this is the secret of the kingdom that Jesus mentions in Mark to his disciples, that the secret of the kingdom is this desire to learn and to understand. And when you come to God with the questions in your heart, God likes that stuff because then he can teach you, right? If you come to the word of God with fists clenched, like, I know the answers. Here are the answers. This is dogmatically what the scripture says. If you come dogmatically and stubbornly, like, I know the answer, what can God put into your hands, right? But if you're hungry, with poverty of spirit, wanting to understand, wanting to learn, saying, I don't know, can you help me? This man actually invites this stranger, Philip, into his chariot with him, right? The stranger becomes a neighbor. And in, the, in his palm openness, God is able to bring gifts when our palms are open, wanting to receive, wanting to learn, we're given wisdom, we're given knowledge, we're given uh, the gifts of the Spirit to come illuminate the scriptures or illuminate whatever, you know, the questions that we have to God in prayer, discernment, wisdom, understanding. And for this man on this desert road, God had already had a plan. And that plan's name was Philip. 
And Philip was right there to explain the scriptures as this man is wanting explanation. Isn't that amazing? The timing is amazing. And so this passage that he was reading, that the eunuch was reading, it says, comes from, actually is a paraphrase of Isaiah 53, um, verses 7 through 8. So if you have your Bible, you can open that up, Isaiah 53, 7 through 8. Um, and then he was reading, the eunuch is reading, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip a question. This is what was going on in his mind that he wanted to understand. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about in this passage? Is it himself or is it someone else? And right there, Philip is, is given an opportunity. The door is wide open um, through the scripture for him to step in and say, wow, let me tell you what that very passage is about. It's speaking of the good news. It's not about the prophet. It's about someone else. And let me tell you who that someone else is. That someone else is Jesus Christ. And the passage further says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of being baptized? What? What? Like, this is the, this is the easiest fruit. If we, you know, we talk about evangelism or witnessing, like how many of you Christians out there have led someone to Christ? That's a question. How many of you Christians out there have been uh, challenged by a pastor or challenged in a youth group or challenged in a Bible study group in church uh, to to take part in evangelism, to do a valent, uh, take more risks in evangelism, to go out and tell someone about Jesus Christ, right? It's hard. Some of us who aren't gifted in evangelism, who aren't natural in evangelism, it can be a scary proposition, right? Go. I remember uh, one exercise we did in college in a campus ministry when I was a student. We uh, went to a nearby mall or like shopping center, and our goal was to strike up a conversation with a stranger. Um, and then if you can have a conversation and somehow bring uh, the name of Jesus into that conversation. And so we would take turns. There's a person, you go, you go. And we were like so nervous. People were so nervous. Ah! Like, you know, many of us have stories or testimonies to that effect. And many of us have had differing experiences, whether horror stories or maybe they're miracle stories of how um, we were took risks and were challenged into uh, speaking about Jesus to strangers or speaking about Jesus to our friends and neighbors and they either rejected us or it was a bad experience or people actually were receptive or came to Christ through our conversation. But anyways, this example here is like, 
Philip didn't even have to do anything. The angel says, go, he goes. He runs into an Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch is already reading the Bible. He says, can you explain this? Come into my car, come into my chariot. Philip's like, okay, he's just going with the flow. He's going with the doors that are opening. And when the spirit is moving in our lives and we are, our ears are open, to going, saying, instead of making excuses or saying, I don't have time or I'm too busy, Philip is just open, like, you guide me, Spirit, you lead me. And he just walks through the door. When we do that, we begin to see something much, a picture much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than our own plans or our own strategies or our own things that we can control with our own hands. We just say yes to the Spirit. We don't know what's happening. But then gradually the vision of God, the big-brainedness, as my son would say, he plays a lot of Minecraft, and he says to be big-brained is to have strategy that, that uh, is much larger than your opponents that you're fighting against, right? You have a bigger strategy, and so you, you know, it reveals to them, and they're like, oh, you've been trapping me all along. That's big brain. God has the biggest brain of us all because he created the universe. How big does your brain have to be to create the universe? But God's plans are much higher than our plans. And so God has already been working in the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch. Right? God has already, from the time that he was at home in Ethiopia to the time that he traveled to Jerusalem to worship God, to the time that he's on this desert, road returning and wrestling with scripture the spirit of god has already been planting seeds and at work in this ethiopian eunuch right and philip is just playing one part in that whole story of god wanting to transform wanting to save the soul of this man and so philip just says yes he doesn't have the whole picture he doesn't see everything but he just says yes and look how amazingly easy, right? The invitation is there. He's invited into the chariot. The man has a question. Philip, all Philip has to do is share what he's been passionate about. He's been preaching in Samaria. He's been persecuted, scattered, right? With the other Jews because of Saul in Jerusalem. And he's been preaching in Samaria and miracles have already been happening. He's been healing people. People have been asking to be baptized, right? So Philip is like on the wave, right? He's on the wave of the spirit. Things have been happening, a renewal, a revival, something new and powerful is happening. So he's just going with the flow. And the eunuch says, there's some water. What's to stop us from me getting baptized? Yes! Yes! If it were only that easy, yes! That was so amazing! And so he gets baptized. Philip baptizes him. He immediately stopped the chariot. And when they come out of, up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way. And this, here's a common theme in Acts, joy, rejoicing. The sound of shouting and rejoicing in the city. The sound of the eunuch rejoicing, right? 
verse 40, Philip, however, appeared in another location, Azotus, and traveled about, continuing to preach the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea, which is where he's from, his hometown. Philip is beamed up as, as fast as he came, running next to the chariot, uh, is as fast as he left. Boom. Which begs the question, this moment, right? This one moment. Like, what was the purpose of this one moment, this one interaction? Was this man so important that the spirit decided to beam Philip over next to his chariot and then beam him out? Right? This you know, drive-by, drive-by evangelism, drive-by witness, just 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, boom, boom. That's amazing. And that goes to what we were talking about last week. One, that you can't contain the Holy Spirit. You can't define the, the Holy Spirit. You can't control the Holy Spirit. And you can't say, this is what the Holy Spirit does. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. But the Holy Spirit is going to do what the Holy Spirit does, how and when the Holy Spirit wants to. Amen? And we have to, if we are disciples, we just have to listen and say yes and go. Right? Philip doesn't have all the answers. But Philip goes. And we need to do, we need to be more about this in the church. We need to be more about this as disciples. Right? We need to be more about this um, as a spirit-infused church. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Be open to do crazy things because the Holy Spirit says go. But oftentimes because we're people of the brain or people that like to control our situation, control our environment, we want to, we have all our questions like, how's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Do I have enough money? Right? What's the plan? Can you predict the outcome for me? Can you tell me that I'm going to be successful in this endeavor before I do it? We want to know that we're going to be successful. Before we jump, we want to know that we're going to land on solid ground. Before we jump, we want to know that there's something that's going to catch us. Right? Instead of what we see here in this passage is one moment, one episode. The Spirit says go, and Philip goes without having the full picture. That's amazing. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Go skydiving with the Holy Spirit. Right? Go bungee cord jumping. It's scary, but just jump. We need to jump more in our lives. Right? When did be following Jesus and becoming a Christian mean being safe and feeling safe and having insurance before we do anything, right? Sometimes you just got to go because the Spirit said go. And if we started going when the Spirit said go, man, amazing things will happen. So that's point number one. Point number two is when it... Point number two is wherever we go, whoever we run into, we have to know that God's been working in that place or in that person, individual's life way before we even got there. Amen? Right? We don't save people. We don't make people become Christians or follow Jesus. 
Jesus and the Spirit has already been working in advance in people's lives, already been making the soil fertile. And so you don't, that, isn't that freeing? You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to have a good argument or know all the Bible or, you know, have all the answers to witness to people. You just have to put yourself there, right? And let the Spirit lead you and open your mouth and share something, right? Because chances are, even in your mess-ups, maybe the Holy Spirit is using your mess-up to speak to that person, right? It's not about you. It's about the Spirit of God. And God's already been working. So that's freedom, right? You don't have to worry. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be perfect. Just jump. Just jump, just like Philip. And if we did that more as a church, we would see amazing miracles happen. We would see amazing transformation in people's lives because we're participating in what God is doing, not sitting there wondering what we should do. Just go. Just jump. Amen? And then finally, we've already talked about in Acts previously how there's this toggling back and forth between corporate, communal, and individual, right? In, in the Pentecost story in Acts chapter 2, we talked about how the images uh, went back and forth between the individual, individuation, right? Individual flames over each apostle or individual people understanding the gospel being preached in their own mother tongues. And yet, at the same time, this in the midst of this diversity and individualism, people are being drawn together, right? A great crowd, or many people became uh, followers that day. And we see in Acts that the Holy Spirit is moving and working in a global sense with a community as a whole, like, Hundreds or thousands of people are becoming followers of the way of Jesus Christ in one day at the same time, right? So it's bigger than one individual. And I can imagine in those days, if you were a follower of Jesus, as the church is being birthed, you're, you're like, this is amazing. I'm part of something so much bigger than my, myself. How, how is this happening? Or if any of you have been part of a a great uh, renewal in a church or in a place where, or a part of a church plant or a church that, where many people became Christians or there were baptisms almost every week and the church was growing by hundreds, by thousands. You must have been like, wow, this is amazing. This is much bigger than myself. So there's the, there's the, the whole, the community, the collective, and then there's the diversity. Right? Unity, the whole, and diversity, right? Uniqueness. And that's the beauty of the Spirit-infused multi-ethnic church. That's the beauty of what's happening through the Holy Spirit in Acts here. And so what we see in this story is an example of a very individual, an individual example of witness, of evangelism, if you will, right? Where Philip one individual is witnessing to another individual, right? And so, and that person is saved, right? Follows Jesus Christ and is baptized. And so we see in scripture, yes, 
following Jesus or Christianity and, and, and the mission of the church is about saving souls. Is, right? God is about saving the individual. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about saving souls or the individual. And you know what I feel about this, right? Western Christianity or American, the American church, the American Christianity uh, overemphasizes the individual salvation, right? And misses the corporateness of the body of Christ or justice, social, the social uh, transformation of the kingdom of heaven. But God is both and, right? The spirit is about both and, right? Saving the soul of the individual, but also for the sake of the city, for the sake of the neighborhood, for the sake of the world, right? For transformation of peoples. And so we see here a very individual and specific example, one man's story one two men's interaction with one another and the gospel good news going forth but if we were to play this story out even more and ask the question what is the big brain thing that god is doing what is just ask the question after this where did this ethiopian what happened to this ethiopian eunuch Right? After this, where did the Ethiopian eunuch go? And we talked about last week how the people who were persecuted scattered outside of Jerusalem, but then the Holy Spirit uses the scattering to actually further the witness beyond Jerusalem and Judea into Samaria. But remember in Acts 1-8, Jesus's um, prophecy or command that there will be witnesses beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? Well, this eunuch from Ethiopia is an example of the seed already beginning to go to the ends of the earth, even further to Africa, to Ethiopia. And actually, the Coptic church or the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest Christian churches in the world. There wasn't just a, uh, in history, Christianity didn't just follow the Western, you know, the Roman Empire, Constantine, on to Europe, England, and to the Americas. That's one stream. But there's also a, a historical stream of the church in Africa, in Ethiopia, the Coptic church. And they trace their beginnings to this Ethiopian eunuch in Acts. Isn't that amazing? So quite possibly, this one interaction, this one soul that Philip preached witnesses to, it actually becomes responsible for a whole area, for a whole nation coming to the faith and birthing the church in that place. Amen? So it's individual, but... Thousands more are affected. And that's my, that's my final point is that you don't know how big God's plan is, right? It could be really insignificant. God could be saying, just go and hug that person over there. 
just go say that Jesus loves you to that person. And we may think, oh, we said it. Nothing happened. They didn't become Christian. They didn't ask to be baptized. But you don't know. That person's life could be changed forever. And a whole hundreds and thousands after that. All you have to do is be faithful because God will do the amazing rest. Just go bungee cord jumping. Take the leap. The Holy Spirit is doing the rest. God is doing the rest. Amen. What the eunuch was reading in Isaiah 53 was about how Jesus suffered and he was led. He's going to be led to be crucified, right? Uh, he was deprived of justice. He was humiliated. And his descendants were cut off, right? Who can speak of his descendants? For the life was taken from the earth. And I imagine the eunuch on the rest of his travels continuing to read in the book of Isaiah. And if you were to continue from Isaiah 53, and I invite you to do this at home after the services, to continue to read Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 56. What does it mean to be a eunuch? A eunuch means that you're castrated in order to better serve in the court of a king or queen, which happened to this man. But what does it mean to be castrated? It means that you won't have a family of your own, that you won't bear fruit, so to speak which would ensure that, one, that this man wouldn't, you know, uh, wouldn't uh, be a danger to the queen, like sexually assault the queen, but also um, that this man wouldn't have any uh, competing desires, like family wouldn't draw him away from being focused on the treasury of the court, right? He has no offspring. He has nothing to divide his loyalty and so that's why people were eunuchs, that they would be loyal, they'd be faithful, and there would be nothing to distract them, right, literally. And so this man's name is cut off. He'll never have descendants. And so when we read, let's read Isaiah 56 here. I want to leave this because I think, that, like I imagine the eunuch reading this, and it's just powerful. This is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps their hands from doing any evil. And this is where I want to see, I want us to see that God's desire is for not the gospel to be contained uh, with one people, one tribe, one nation, but God's heart is for the foreigner. God's heart is for the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. And that hasn't been completed. We're still living in that, that the gospel has yet to go to all the earth. And our call is not to hoard it. So we're continuing in Isaiah 56, 3, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord, say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And look at this. Let no eunuch complain. I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, 
who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Imagine the eunuch reading this. I'll never have sons and daughters, but then the Lord is saying, I'll give you an inheritance much better than sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy, joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my author, altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for what? All nations. Remember when Jesus went into the temple overturning the money changers' tables, Right? What does Jesus say? He quotes this and he says, For my father's house is not for a den, is not to be a den of thieves or for robbers, but it's to be a house of prayer for all nations. God wants access to his presence, to his promises, to his covenant, not just for us to hoard to ourselves or for one tribe to hoard it to themselves, but he wants his house of prayer to go forth and be a blessing, a house of prayer for all nations where everyone from east, west, north, and south to have access to the Spirit of God, to have access to the Word of God, to have access to the promises of God. Even, yes, this eunuch will be a, have a covenant and will have blessings and gifts more precious than actual sons and daughters. Right? Legacy, a future, a hope. A place and that's what God has for everyone God is saying in Acts through the scripture throughout scripture you are my sons and daughters all people are sons and daughters let no foreigner say I have no place here and this should be a lesson to us church and a lesson to the United States of America let no foreigner, let no immigrant, no, let, uh, no stranger or person different than us feel like they have no place in the community of faith. Amen. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that, quite frankly, tells us to do wild and crazy things sometimes. And we've become people who are afraid, who are guided by fear and guided by comfort and safety. And to grow in our faith doesn't just mean reading the Bible more, doing our devotions, or like, you know, coming to church, but to be stretched in our faith means that we take risks, that we go skydiving with Jesus. That like Philip, we don't know where we're going, but we say yes to the Spirit and are faithful. Because when we take risks, when we jump, um, we're able to witness God deliver in powerful ways. 
And when we see God at work powerfully, our faith is strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen.